Let's get down to business. Welcome to Profits and Purpose, a Colorado Business Roundtable production that unapologetically tells the story that business is good through conversations with Colorado's business leaders. Please welcome your host, the president of the Colorado Business Roundtable, Debbie Brown. Thanks everyone for joining us today on Colorado Business Roundtable's podcast, Profits and Purpose. And I'm really excited today to introduce to you Ali Spray, who is the business development manager and manages community engagement for Mortensen Construction. Welcome, Allie. Thank you, Debbie. Thank you so much for the invitation. It's an honor to be here and looking forward to a good conversation. Wonderful. And I'm also joined by my colleague, Megan Pfeiffer, who is the Director of Workforce and Immigration Policy for Colorado Business Roundtable. So welcome, Megan. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be a part of this. Well, and we've got a lot of great partners with Colorado Business Roundtable that really have a broad business view and certainly understand the importance of a company like Mortensen on how they deliver uh, your important work in Colorado in terms of growth and buildings and all the other things that you do. But before we jump into telling us more about Mortensen, um, Ali, I'd really love to just kind of step back and hear more about your journey. What brought you uh, to Colorado to work in the business community and to Mortensen? Tell us just more about you personally. Thank you. Uh, yes, it has been, like you say, quite the journey. Um, I was born and raised in Guadalajara, Mexico. I never dreamt that I would be in Colorado, living really an amazing career here. So I moved in 1999. I met my ex-husband there working in construction, and we moved here to Colorado. Uh, so I have called Colorado home for the past 20 years, and I don't think I could have found a better place to live with those views, open space, opportunity for businesses. Um, so I have my degree as a civil engineer in construction, have it in my blood. My dad was also a civil engineer. So I remember telling him that I want to be a civil engineer. He called me crazy. Uh, that was <laughs> my drive. When they call me crazy, that's when I go full force to say, well, yeah, I'm crazy, but I'm going to prove that I can. So I went for a full uh, four-year career, got my professional engineer degree in Mexico I was working as a project engineer, and suddenly I found myself uh, starting a new chapter in Colorado. Trying to get into construction in Colorado was not as easy as I thought, mostly because first, my degree didn't transfer right away. So pretty much I have to go back to school, transfer some credits, and to have a professional engineer license here, you have to shadow an engineer for, I believe, a couple years in certain hours. So newly, well, newly transferred, I was really concerned that I could handle it. I was worried about my language. I was worried about the money. So I decided that, you know, after four years, I will have to figure something else. It was kind of disappointing, to be honest. And I have heard it from another professionals moving to, to the United States. That sometimes your career and your um, degree doesn't transfer right away unless you're transferred by work or something. But you know what? When there's a will, there's a, a way. So for me, it was I want to still be here and work. Uh, I started as a translator for a manufacturing company. Their floor employees were uh, Hispanic, so they were trying to uh, translate the work orders into Spanish. So that was an interesting because I learned about manufacturing and injection molding plastics which it was a totally different world. So I learned a lot about that. Um, the company shut down a couple of years later. So I found myself again trying to find a job. I applied for a project coordinator job and a local mechanical contractor, AMI Mechanical. 
they hired me and they taught me how to do some of the estimating basics, uh, working with the subcontractors and everything. And then I moved into my role as a marketing uh, specialist, handling their social media accounts, proposals, events, and all that kind of fun stuff that everybody thinks marketing people do. Uh, and suddenly I also find myself doing business development, uh, connecting with potential clients, potential trade partners, uh, engineers, architects, and Funny enough, as my kids will say, I love to talk. And it was funny that they paid me to talk to people. That's why we so, get along so well, I think. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I share that value with you. I love meeting people. I love to know their backgrounds, the opportunities that we can work. And if it's not with the, my current employer, the other opportunities I can help them grow their businesses. Uh, because the construction industry is a small world, after all. It's like that sun. Uh, but we find a way to support each other. Uh, there's no competition. It's just collaboration. And, you know, if I couldn't find somebody to work with in, in a project, I'll find another firm that they will be finding the same subcontractor. So um, just connecting this web of opportunities, people, businesses to just make construction a strong industry to provide jobs to a lot of people in Colorado. That's so interesting. It sounds like you've come full circle, even though the education didn't translate like perhaps it could in the future. That seems like an interesting flaw. I've heard that with other industries as too, in, too like healthcare, for example. Yeah. But you're full circle into what was your original skill set in education. and education. And that's interesting because when I look back, I'd never thought I would be in this role, which I love, helping businesses. Uh, but I always thought that I would be just stamping drawings. But it's interesting how your, your path takes you different places, meet different people, different opportunities. And you just jump into it and it just takes you in another road. And, you know, I've been always, why not? You know, what, what do I have to lose? And I'm blessed for the opportunity that I have had. Not only colleagues, but also friends that I have developed in this business. And, you know, and the support and inspiring women to be in, in, in this industry as well, too. Sounds similar. I sort of have a saying where I say, okay, just say yes and then go figure it out. Mm -hmm. you know, even if you're scared, say yes first. And uh, sometimes my own kids have challenged me on that when I hesitate and they're like, oh, come on, you told us, just say yes. So yes. you sound like that kind of mentality. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> when you tell me you want to do a podcast, yes. <laughs> How about that? Well, I hope you don't regret it. That's for sure. Never. <laughs> well, Never. And I also looped in Megan Pfeiffer onto the podcast today because we all had such a really good conversation the other day. And Megan, um, before I jump back into Allie, tell, tell everybody a little bit about you. Yeah, well, um, I am originally from Des Moines, Iowa. Um, I actually ended up in Colorado for a very different story, but very similar underlying concepts uh, where <laughs> I just uh, my entire life kind of had a direction I wanted to go, but I just would say yes and figure it out later. <laughs> and I did. And um, so I kind of created just different niches for myself, but my background is in uh, lobbying uh, at the state level. I've also done a lot of public affairs work, so advocating a little bit more through the media, um, but all on issue advocacy campaigns that are important to me, uh, including on immigration issues and workforce issues for business, and I'm also an attorney. Um, but yeah, so uh, not practicing right now, but uh, still utilizing it to my benefit. Um, but yeah, I just, I got 
connected in with um, some incredible people through my work. And here I am in Colorado and I get to work with Debbie and have incredible lunches with people like Allie and getting <laughs> to know her. So yeah, that's kind of a little bit of my background. That's oh. great. It's always good to have lawyers on our side. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's my default position. Actually, that was my, my second, that was my second choice. If I cannot be an engineer, I'll be an, a lawyer. You'd be a very good <laughs> I don't know about that. I would be so sad when I lose a case. I was like, no, I don't know. I can do That's what my mother said. You will be crying. Oh. Well, I don't know that you'd lose very many. So that would I be know. the happy part. That's for sure. Agreed. So tell us, tell us, Allie, what you, tell me more about Mortensen Construction, what types of projects your company handles, and a little bit more about your role there at Mortensen. Uh, so Mortensen is a national company. They they have been they were founded in 1954, and they have established in Colorado since 1981. So they're a commercial builder, a developer. Uh, they also do energy and engineering services. They have offices across the nation: Chicago, Denver, Iowa, uh, Minneapolis as our headquarters, Phoenix, Portland, uh, San, San Antonio, Washington D.C., and also an office in Canada. So our market ranges from corporate offices to healthcare uh, to higher education. Um, we have done the Denver Art Museum, the Coors Field Stadium, the Colorado State University Stadium, uh, the new Rocky Mountain PBS headquartered offices. Uh, we also did the Denver Water new office in campus. And we also have worked in the Metro State uh, University is the uh, new hotel. So or or markets range from, like I said, different kind of projects. And my role there is to help maintain the relationship with our trade partners, pretty much from all of our contractors that work in our projects to our engineers, architects, the team that makes these projects together. So it's my job to maintain that relationship. Uh, we advocate for the uh, participation of small minority women-owned businesses in our projects. We have a goal of 15% that we we have as a role, a rule, but we try to exceed that role of having, bring them in on board. So that's also my role. And to collaborate with community stakeholders, nonprofits, because it's a core value of us to give back to our community or employees, uh, volunteer hours to all the organizations that we partner with, mentor, give back, volunteering, helping landscaping and everything, trade associations, chambers, economic development. So keep our presence in the community strong. Mm-hmm. You've got a big role. Yes. I'm kind of worn out hearing all about it. That's a, that's a very big role. And um, especially, uh, you know, I, I'd love to go back to your priority, one of them as far as bringing women into the construction arena. And as a, as a woman yourself, who's certainly strong and capable I'm sure it is kind of an interesting arena to be in. I've done some work in oil and gas the last seven or eight years, and it's a place I think where talent is embraced. You know, it doesn't matter what gender you are, but it's so interesting to think about talent. How has that that been for you as a woman in the industry, and how do you mentor other women to roles that take full advantage of their talent? Uh, It's not only the talent, it's that diversity of ideas that the women bring the perspective that we're embracing more and more. And as we feel construction is having a, 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 a strain of talent, we need to embrace women bringing that talent in that perspective. So the challenge is, as always, as a one dear friend from STEM Blazer said, girls cannot be what they cannot see. So if we don't inspire the girls from early age to pursue 
uh, a career in engineering and in math, they don't they don't see themselves. The challenge women are not represented in the manage upper management level, so it's always that challenge. We have a lot of project engineers, project managers, those that are trying to make their path to that C level suite, but it still is is a challenge. But at the way, at the same time, there's an opportunity. There's a lot of support, mentorship. Women feel that they're doubt their confidence in the knowledge in construction. Uh, but I think it's key, like any industry, to find that it's not about bring them on board. It's about retaining them. The recruiting is the easy part. The challenge is retaining them. And as women, we have to juggle the whole thing of a family, a career, uh, going back to school or kids, or even if, as a single woman, you know, how I keep all this balance. But it, it, for me, I have been blessed with a lot of mentors. They have helped me. Uh, they have kind of challenged my sometimes say, why not? Or why are you doing this? And I think that's the key of helping women find that mentor, uh, find that support and giving the opportunity to prove that the, this industry, even though it's a male dominated industry, it welcomes the diversity and the, 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 the beauty of having that talent, you know, the perspective that women bring. It's an ongoing battle. Some days it's easier, some days it's just, you know, but I just love driving and seeing a project that I work and I can tell my kids I have a little part in that project. And I, I know there are a lot of women that they feel the same pride. Yeah, absolutely. And I was thinking about some of the work Megan and I do with Colorado Business Roundtable in terms of workforce and understanding what's available with apprenticeships and upskilling and reskilling and all the ways that people could potentially get into the construction arena and actually find really good potential jobs. And Megan, I don't know if you want to touch on that as far as some workforce issues and what we've seen just lately in some of our conversations with other business leaders in that workforce component. Yeah, I would say um, just given the current situation with our economy and sort of recognizing um, where some of the holes have been when it comes to workforce, we see a lot of discussions around training and upskilling right now in a variety of industries. Uh, But what's been really exciting, I think, in all of these conversations is how willing people are to be creative and think outside of the box that haven't necessarily existed these types of conversations before. Um, But it's also really fun and interesting to learn about some of the different programs that are out there and having these meetings that are connecting people and their programs together um, to just, you know, figure out what's what's going on out there and see if there are ways to replicate it that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the beauties of construction also, you know, women only represent 9% of the construction wor- workers in the nation. But as we see in other industries that uh, disparity in in pay gap, you know, the pay gap versus men and women. Construction is the one that is the closest one. So women make 95% of what a counter male part makes. So it's one of the industries that pairs the, what a woman makes versus a man. So I think there's another industries that are lagging that, but uh, in construction, you know, we are almost like say 95% is, is a really high number. And I don't think many women know that in the opportunities of uh, many companies are willing to pay for their training, for that apprenticeship, uh, for the skills that they can bring to the table and to make a living to provide for their families. And I'd love to throw out, you know, it's interesting talking to the business community about what was top of mind, you know, in January 2020, you know, as far as growth of the industry, growth of the private sector, in some ways, even in Colorado, if you can remember it, there were political issues that were like, oh, quit growing, quit growing, um, which which seems like a, a million years from now. 
or a million years ago is what I meant to say. How has it shifted the industry, Ali, in terms of what we've seen just the last couple months with the global pandemic and some of the other economic issues? Have you seen what what have you seen in terms of the construction industry? Well, it has been like I said, we all, even when we talk about businesses, we're talking about all sizes. You know, there were some small businesses growing, buying material, buying equipment to keep growing. And now suddenly they have to put a stop. You know, is construction, we, we know it goes into their phases of ups and downs. But now we have projects that have completely lacked the funding. They have been going into complete on hold to be completely canceled. And from the private to the private uh, public sector, uh, municipalities, they're having their budget issues. So any municipality that was trying to build, build a new fire station, police station, now it's like, there's no way we're going to do it. So, or industry is facing a, a challenge because some of these projects, the funding is gone. The other way, you know, we're com- as, there's no projects, there's no way to keep, keep people employed. So I have to say that in 2008, we lost a lot of great talent to the oil and gas industry. And when we started recovering, we never saw them back. We saw a few numbers back of them coming back because we were competing with the well-paid salaries that the oil and gas had and the talent, the required was similar. So I think now our industry, and again, it affects mostly the small minority women-owned businesses, but every every company is having the same challenge. If there's no projects, if there's no funding, we cannot keep our employees. We might have to let them go and risk them in, to loosen them to another industry and might, they might not come back. So we go back again to the square one of having the lack of skilled personnel to build these projects. And what I'm hearing, and I'm curious what your perspective is, I feel like right now there seems to be more optimism towards the future and thinking about the restart and the rehire and the recharge of our economy. Mm-hmm. And those are things we work on at Colorado Business Roundtable whether it's with the governor's office or the congressional delegation or in terms of rules and regulations at the state capitol, do you feel like once we get through sort of this hump of understanding, like having having significant treatment and cures out there, do you feel like there'll be an all clear signal and the economy will start moving once again? Are you feeling optimistic? I want to be optimistic. I heard it one time somebody said the American pride is strong. The Americans will put back because they want their economy to be strong again. So we'll be taking that consumer confidence of saying, I have to spend the money in order to bring our economy back. Uh, I want to believe construction is still, it's a never ending. People feel like it's only the new buildings. Well, there's some buildings that are aging and they still have to maintain them. So construction is about, you know, bringing existing buildings to up to codes and renovate them. So I want to believe there's still the optimism that construction is still needed. Our population is still growing. We will still need the hospital. We still need the schools. Uh, we might take a little longer than we were hoping. Uh, our industry was already planning on a little recession because, again, we have been riding this great wave of 12 years of having just a strong economy in our industry. But we knew there was going to be a, a slope going down again to slowing down. Uh, this has been a really not slowing down. It has been like a stop completely. Uh, but, you know, I believe in in the community is saying we need to bring the economy back and it's going to take all of us spending, investing, trusting that people will occupy those buildings, people that need those buildings. And we will have to, like everybody, to kind of find a ways to live with this because apparently it might not go away so fast. So we just have to find new spaces to design new spaces, how we can incorporate from bringing kids back to school and just being there. So 
I, I want to believe the optimism overall. I want to believe people that be, they like to be in construction, they still want to be in construction because it's in their blood. And people just like to be part of changing the landscaping and making it better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well said. I, I uh, had referenced this the other day with some friends and was really struck by a, a comment Congressman Perlmutter said at a briefing that we had. And he really talked about until there's that all clear signal from the health side, you know, almost like a tornado drill. And then you hear the all clear and people can kind of get back to their business. You can't jump back into the economy full, full on. Mm-hmm. So I think people are kind of waiting for that all clear signal. Um, do you feel like the construction industry will be ready to roll? Or do you feel like there's still sort of challenges in terms of maybe regulation or policies that sort of need to clear out to help your organizations and the, and the industry thrive? I think the regulations, you know, companies are, are already know how to adapt to the regulations, policies and everything. I mean, we have been adapting to the six feet distance in our job sites. Uh, I was in a project the other day in Bless Their Heart, the construction workers, they wearing their masks when it's so hot. I was complaining for 20 minutes that I was visiting the job site and they're there working because they know how important it is to keep that protecting themselves. And this is not a mask um, debate. It's just about saying how they we adapt at the regulations that are imposed to us to keep the, the, the projects going, to deliver a project, to, to make it to our client because they're expecting that building. So we're used to the regulations, you know, we just have to add another layer because, you know, those who want to be in this industry will keep it going. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Allie, thank you again. And give our thanks to everyone on your team for what they've done to build Colorado and continue to rebuild. As you said, it's not just new builds, it's it's rebuilding as we go. Mm-hmm. And best of luck as, as we're all navigating kind of this new normal, but glad to be a partner with you with Colorado Business Roundtable. We, we believe helping business helps people. And the more that we can help promote a pro-business economy for Colorado, it certainly helps all the people that business serves, whether it's employees or customers or just people in the community. So appreciate all that you do. And we're grateful, grateful to have welcomed Ali Spray with Mortensen Construction today and also Megan Pfeiffer with Colorado Business Roundtable. And thanks, everyone, for joining us. This has been a podcast of Colorado Business Roundtable, and we look forward to having you visit with us again. This has been a presentation of the Colorado Business Roundtable. Be sure to check out all of our episodes on Podcatchers Everywhere at cobrt.com. Our technical producer is John Ekstrom and Deaf Communications. Thank you for listening to Profits and Purpose.